0: One day we, we were doing a shoot for a very long time, 20 hours or so. And in my bag I had two sachets of green tea. I just I just put them in and then the, I put in the water and the, the tea just started popping up and down and doing pure red. And then you started to smell it. This one guy popped in his head and asked, what's that? It smells really good. And then everybody gathered around the table and started asking questions like, what is this?
1: You're listening to Ray Leo, my very special guest on today's episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur podcast. Ray is the founder of an amazing business called Grass People Tree. It's a unique combination of e-commerce and online education, where she provides access to rare artisan teas and education about tea culture. In our conversation today, Ray shares the story of growing up in a remote region of China moving to London, and rediscovering the significance of tea as an adult. Plus, you'll hear how returning to her roots awakened her desire to share the wonders of tea with the world. Ray and I have a free-flowing and down-to-earth discussion that I sincerely hope you enjoy. As always, I'm your host, Eric Turneson, and this is episode 171 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. What are you drinking? I'm
0: having a Masses Red, just okay. from today. Okay. Yeah, Very I'm nice. still sipping. This is, yeah, <laughs> travel Grand, Grandpa style. Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm not having any tea today. I'm doing um a a liver cleanse right now. Okay. So I'm.
0: Um, what
1: does that mean? Uh, it's just there's some protocols, a specific a diet, but basically, you know, removing caffeine for the time.
0: Ah, okay, and also not to get angry.
1: Yeah, don't get <laughs> angry.
0: Yeah. Generally, how have you
1: been? How, how have I been? Mm. Good. I mean, you know, good. Right? Like it's obviously fluctuates, but overall. Nothing major. But yeah. It's been um I've been alive. Mm. Living. <laughs> you know, so
0: you a lot a lot to feel grateful for, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Feeling
0: the yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, and you as well. You, you you've been traveling.
0: Yeah, I um, today was actually really nice to have the last leg of today. We travel drove seven hours. That was the easiest bit of travel in South Africa, and I've been around in a lot of many remote places from top to bottom um, in the last four weeks or so. I shared a lot of tea. With wherever I go, and one of the special ones, really, really great, was I get to share tea with the the kids from the Kosa tribe in the wild coast. Yeah, they 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 haven't even seen an iPhone before, so when I saw my phone, they were all just screaming. And when I shared tea with them, they their expression when they drink tea is just so physical they would get up and dance or run around and jump up and down or one of the kids would just just sip tea and said nothing just cup after cup it was really really special and they had no reference at all and i can see that i'm probably the first asian face to ever pop into that village so yeah it was really really special and every day i think about It's just the melody still in my head. The song they they sing when we're leaving, and it was so special. And definitely, definitely a big, big like dose to make you feel like you're alive with them. They just just like it felt like their joy is unlimited, limitless. yeah. It's it's very, very, very beautiful to learn this part of the world and their culture and. And I was saying to them, it feels like I've returned because it felt like home vibe. The people are very, very friendly and very, you know, we have a lady who comes and deal with the house stuff and she would just cook in the kitchen for her family. There's no like boundaries between mine or yours. And it's very much like Guizhou. So I really felt like I returned in, instead of going to a new place yeah just just the people it's just so beautiful so yeah it's it's been very special South Africa is um it's a good land, very good land
1: and what was the reason that you went there?
0: um I just feel like my I need to turn a new page again of two years of being static. I feel like I just need to flow again somewhere without really a very fixed destination and South Africa, because I have a lot of friends here that I wanted to connect more face to face. And I've also been very fascinated by the cultures here because such a mishmash of everything, mm. cultures, race, languages, and the landscape. and And I felt like I you know, I felt like I would have a soft landing here. Somehow I just knew like the landscape will hold me. Like home, so that's that's why I came. Really, I don't really have a specific reason. I just thought South Africa, and 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 here I come. Yeah, yeah, perfect.
1: Mm. So at this point, I'm just gonna kind of say something to the audience just to kind of bring them into this. So we kind of jumped into this. I'm I'm talking with Ray, and you know, at this point in our podcast, so we've interviewed many entrepreneurs, authors, and experts and yet ray is is definitely one of the most interesting people we've had on the show and based on a little bit i know about her you know her life has been a journey in every sense of the word and i know in this episode we're going to dive deep into your background and story and we've had a little bit of a glimpse in that preamble we were talking about your recent trip to south africa and your relationship with t a little bit but can we you know get into the just how did you arrive at tea and things in the first place? What was the first part of your life like up until tea?
0: Hmm. How did that arrive? I think the, the answer would actually be how, how tea arrived in, in my life. I think if we all fast forward all the way back, it was probably when I was four or five, hanging out in 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 the tea house and my parents just it's sort of like um preschool kindergarten they just put you there and you play with other kids and you learn from other kids from other adults and and you sort of just immersed into a culture that is very like a front room but a front room shared with everybody so that's how tea arrived in my life, I guess, it was through my parents and through all the people who who were there hanging out in the tea house. And it was the same tea house when my parents were hanging out in the 70s, in the 80s, when it was a slightly different vibe there, where it was, it was a really hip and luxurious place to be, and you're there to be seen, you're there to socialize, and... You know, and also talk about important things. In fact, I think my parents become close uh, at the tea house. This this was a very recent story. My mom only told me a few days ago. And yeah, and I remember one day bringing back the packaging from the tea house. My dad saw the saw the packaging. He was like, "Oh, I know this tea house." And I said, "Yeah, I've been sharing their tea in the UK. My then my dad told me the stories, how they used to hang out. So that's, I guess that's how tea started in my life."
1: What kind of kid were you when you first had tea? Were you the one jumping around and dancing, or were you the one sipping cup after cup silently?
0: Um, I was very quiet when I was a kid, very, very introverted. And I definitely not the one dance around. I'm, I'm more of that kind of kid now. Okay, but <laughs> I wasn't back then. Okay, yeah, it was. I was. I was very um very quiet. Yeah, I, I think then fast forward. I think it's something that that you grow up with that's so ingrained within you. You don't think about it. You don't think about how special it is. Unless one day you live in an re- environment that that doesn't have that anymore, and your whole world almost feels like upside down, inside out, and then you you're really disaligned with with who you are, because I guess that community isn't there anymore. That warm sensation of a blanket by the fire isn't there anymore. And everything that you share in life, that sort of support network is not there, and uh, the day-to-day popping in and out of the tea house isn't mm-hmm. there anymore. Then you start to wonder why. So, my journey of wondering that was it was through actually probably about five to ten years, was slowly working that out. That was when I was working that out. It was actually pretty hard. Because I worked in fashion industry from when I was 15 till more or less till I was 24 or 25, so that was a big chunk of my life that I was traveling around the world without the the tea house, without the tea. I was drinking a lot of coffee then because you needed that to to get you through things and a lot of sugar and you know all of those things you do. Yeah, so so I think that ten those ten years like struggle or the big question mark made me realize how what was missing. And I found that I found that missing part when one day we we were doing a shoot for a very long time, twenty hours or so. There's a lot of mass bars like chocolate bars and and coffee drank techno music going on in the background everyone just trying to bash out the last hour of work and and we just couldn't we we're so stuck so I um, cleaned the coffee pot it was a glass coffee pot I cleaned it. it still had that smell of coffee and in my bag I had two sachets of green tea I just I just put them in And then the, I put in the water and the the tea just started popping up and down and doing pure red. And then you started to smell it. And even people walking past the studio, this one guy popped in his head and asked, what's that? It smells really good. And we ended up inviting him in, somebody completely them to have tea. And the whole studio, the music got shut down. They turned off the music. And then everybody gathered around the table and started asking questions like, what is this? It's a green tea. Where does it come from? It comes from my home, Guizhou. Where is Guizhou? Then we Google Great Guizhou and everyone just like, what? We never knew you, your home can be so avatar-like. It just, man. And then people started asking more and more questions and that was... A long time, like nobody would ever in, in the industry would ever really look inside who you are, even by asking you where you come from. It was when I was doing modeling work, it was every day you go to 30, 40 castings during those intensive fashion weeks. And then people will look at you. Sometimes I remember in Paris, it was really harsh. They look at you in the corridor. They can just tell you, I hate you. You can go now. And so it was a big, big contrast for me that day. And I think something got reborn um, or enlivened that day. Um, so we, we had the tea and particularly the, the photography team was really taken by it because they obviously apparently turned out to be one of them was, was a tea nerd. So then he invited a lot of people and then it became like a social gathering every Thursday. Because in London, the culture is every Thursday, everyone goes out partying. It was the biggest party night on Thursday. But instead of going and drinking alcohol, we would sit around and just sip tea. So that went on for, for six months until I ran out of tea to give. And people started asking how to buy it. And one of them said, maybe maybe that could be your, your exit road to get out of the fashion industry and, and to do something different. So then I just, I, I, yeah, I thought about it. But then, of course, I was also educated in the West partly. So in my head, it was brainwashed, in a way, because my parents always tell me or my my people always tell me that the tea is very clean, it's wild and, and you can't find it. It's very special even in China. But of course, me being very influenced by Western way of thinking is like, no, I don't believe what you're saying. I have to go back to to check it out myself. So I went back home yeah and what was planned for I think two and a half months turned out to be two and a half years on and off of exploring the cultures of tea and also the cultures around the people who made the tea and the landscape. And then I think then I learned to look at home from a very different perspective. It almost becomes a a treasure, a gem for me. And I realized the the richness and the diversity of tea cultures back home, even just within that one province. I went to more than 280 villages, took a lot of notes, took a lot of examples, learned a lot of stories, hung out with a lot of people. I realized, wow, this this is so special where I come from. And the understanding who I am from that point of view was it was really one of those very very profound experiences in my life i think going home again so yeah so that's that's how that was like the beginning before grass people tree really it was that research but it was really research was a process for me to reconnect with where i was born and grew up and and also the process of figuring out the meanings of of this yeah so that's that's how tea arrived really it was it was in my mid-20s it really um arrived like i am here life. we haven't you have but i'm here
1: yeah it's a beautiful story and um you and i met uh through tea you know i've been drinking tea and very into it for five years now and um you know um it's interesting, right? Because it, it's there's there's all these corollaries, and you know, in your story about being in the fashion world and how superficial it is in the in the real sense of the word, like s- surface level, like they can look at you and be like, "You're not the right product." At you know, forget you're a human. You're not the right product for my situation. You know, leave. In the beginning, like tea can be very surface level. You you can go all different kinds of ways with tea. You can use it as a superficial thing, like this is a product and people can package it and et cetera, and you can consume it and it's good. And tea definitely has a spirit of its own for sure. Something I've learned though is it's, it's, it's kind of like a teaching, right? Like a teaching from any teacher, you teaching in itself has a value, but unless it's, it's, it's interpreted and, and delivered correctly by someone who has the, the connection to the lineage or the culture, it doesn't have the same power to it. So, you know, I feel through my experience and what I connect with and what you're talking about in your journey is that tea is an ally. It's a it's a it's a friend. It's it's supportive, but it's supportive for us humans to remember community, remember culture, because these things are so dramatically missing. In our world these days, you know, we've lost a lot of that. Mm,
0: yeah. teas to remember culture and community. I, I like that.
1: Well, it helps fa- facilitate it. Like, you know, you having that experience where you just plopped in the green tea and everybody's all crazy on coffee and sugar and whatever and being sleep deprived and it literally transformed the environment. But I would say, the tea alone couldn't have done that. The fact that you were the one doing it was part of it because you had the connection to the culture. The tea, when at that moment, spoke to you, awakened something within you. And that, in part, is what generated that vibe. You mm. know, if, if anybody else had done it, I would venture to to say that it, the same thing would not have happened.
0: Mm. It always goes back to, to the writing of tea, right? You have to write grass and people and tree. People are always involved, but I also think the people who are involved are. Had, there's a there's a necessity for you to be intentional with with plant, whether it's about sharing or picking or making um, or preparing. I think everything is is asking you to to pay attention to clarify your intention of of with this plant, and then the tea. Can become a tea from a plant, particularly in the making. I, I think also the growing. Everything has you have to have that intent to be in tune with nature, and and then when you share it, you need to be in tune with yourself, and also also the environment around you and the people. Um, and I think that's what nature intends us to to do and to be. Because we're part of nature as well, you you just can't go against that. It's it's just it's just illogical.
1: Right. When you do go against nature, you live. We are living at this time. What happens when you're out of balance with nature? You know, a lot of the challenges that were that are kind of main trending points on everybody's mind globally. It, in a lot of ways, can be connected back to disconnection from nature.
0: Absolutely. I think whatever that is going on, whatever is the trendy hashtag, the crisis we're facing, I think everything, you can almost trace everything back to the essence of it, is we we, we, we tend to forget that we're part of nature and we're really not there on the top. You know, we, we're with nature. How How is it possible for us to to even think that we have the power to decide for all, all species, everything. How is it possible for us to even assume that? That assume that we know everything there is. And even just a just a plant, right? And we refer the plant to like it, it, everything's an it, and we name the plant with the name. And, and that's how we started. But I think there's just so much profound wisdom and knowledge within the the nature, within nature and the balance of everything. I think our intention, the essence of that is, is going back to our intention and look at how, how we disconnect from nature or how we can reconnect with nature. And that really is, I think that goes back to internal work you know I think a lot of world crises can be resolved by us really even every day not talking for 30 minutes not bothering anybody for, for 30 minutes just sit with ourselves and I think the world will actually be a better place already right. not doing yeah and so, so I think,
1: facilitates that
0: absolutely absolutely. <clears throat> I think it facilitates that and but I think in anything that ground you back to that connection. Mm-hmm. It could be a tea, it could be anything, uh, calligraphy or breathing, literature. But I think the intention has to be there. You know, you, you're not doing nothing for doing, for the sake of doing something. You just, you just be. But I think a lot of people find it very challenging to just be. I think that's, that's the problem <laughs> that we have. And and even if I if I can extend this a little bit, I think even when something happens, we always wanted to go out and help and do something. It almost feels like we're only valid through doing. And I think a lot of a lot of teachings from nature is I think it's about just being and and being and knowing that you're connected. I think if you just put yourself in the landscape, just stay there for half an hour, you really understand that. And it's a very important non-verbal teaching, just even from a tree or a forest. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's critical to have those experiences. And I 100% agree with you that having some daily aspect where there's a practice of just being even to say a practice of being is is a little bit confusing but you know and and it certainly is a challenge for for us all at times you know cuz naturally the the first question would be you say okay how do i be and it's like well how do i do that right mm. <laughs> that's the usually the first question but it's that's that's the trick of it there is a paradox there
0: mm. i think it's realizing the that- how our mind works. Right. It's are we're distracted by thoughts. That's it. And that's, that's, that's why we, we're putting filters in front of us to, to not know what it means to just to be, because I think um, we're constantly driven by the thoughts. Everything we do are the thoughts. And then I think that the ultimate being isn't about the thoughts, isn't about what we think or not think. I think there's a there's a deeper level of that. The being, you know, is is really not about what happens in in our head, but it's about what happens in our belly, in our heart. You know, the the very fibres of us. So I think the I would probably say the first step is is to learn how to be less distracted a bit more focus and i think it goes back to tea i i think tea helps you do that without you knowing to a lot of to a lot of levels and even just like hearing the kettle being boiled making the tea it doesn't it, it doesn't have to be always ceremonial but i think taking time to do that will create that gap from you thinking to you thinking less or not thinking at all. You have to know that, though, like, to go into it, to be intentional when you do it. Okay, I'm gonna see now, this is my moment. And this is me to slow down or whatever that means, whatever the intention is, and then you go into that and you do it. Otherwise, you become another another thought-driven
1: action again. Right. Well, yeah. and there's really no way to do it wrong because the fact of the matter is when you start intentionally going after a practice like that, it's always going to be thought-driven because there is no separation between thought and whatever else you might be at that point. You believe, I am my thoughts. There is there's no concept of speaking of them as a separate. So I know for me, when I started with tea, that's how I was in the beginning. You know, I'm a, a lot of my life. I've been very intellectual, very entrepreneurial, very musical and creative. So, very much rich in the areas of accomplishment, doing, execution, these things, which are all good things. And then when tea came, I started sitting with it and pouring it with myself. And when I first started doing it, I was being very mental about it. Like, okay, I'm going to measure my leaf. I'm going to measure, have a laser thermometer, measure the water. I'm going to do it right. And, and even, even that was not wrong because ultimately through doing that consistently over time, my sensitivity naturally enhanced. And as it enhanced, their trust came in. And then when trust came in, the mechanisms and the, the rightness and the wrongness due to some external standard of measurement disappeared. And then it was more of a conversation. And when a conversation happens, there's listening and. So all of this naturally unfolded and it wasn't that I was, you know, and, and I view T as a teacher in that sense, because it was not a plan. It was just, I think if, if you show up with something consistently with the intention to learn something, there's no wrong way to do it. And the path will develop itself. And ultimately I didn't get into meditation until after T kind of taught me things and then naturally, I led to meditation, naturally my diet changed because I was more sensitive to selecting things consciously, just based on the experience of paying attention to something and, and sitting with it.
0: Mm, absolutely. I, I really resonate with that because I remember the first six months or so when I learned, it always, of course, we... We learn things in uh, in the modern way when when we learned in uni and we we went on do our master and whatever. So we have a very specific way of acquiring information, like you said. This you know the, the, the right and wrong and all the perceptions about learning, and it almost it almost feels like it's so diehard. Almost feels like a like an ingrained habit. You know, and this is how we learn. It's about getting information from somebody else that tells us this is the information. Remember it and do it and memorize it. But when I was learning tea the first six months, I wasn't allowed to ask questions from anybody. From what you just said earlier, I realized it was actually my teacher was saying to me, look at the, the first, foremost, the most important teacher the tea itself. So within that six months, I was just given a lot of tea to drink. And you know, of of course being Chinese there's a there's an advantage of I've already grew up drinking it. So how to brew isn't a question. But you still wanted to know what is the right way to to evaluate, you know, because you feel like, oh, now I'm learning tea from the tea master. It's got to be something quite special, and so you're sort of waiting and um, for for that most important piece to drop. Almost someday you're you're just knocking about, and the tea master will say something, and then you have an enlightenment or something. That would be that was in my head, um, but I was just drinking it. And after six months, you sort of felt like you're, you're in the dark a little bit. All my teachers were there to, to tell me, you're in this space now. We're all standing under the sharp corners. So when you come close to almost wanted to, you know, hurt yourself, we're here to safeguard you. So that level of safety and care was there provided by my teacher. So I was... I was able to just drink tea, use whatever I can grab, um, whatever tea there is, and just experiment and just do it. And after six months, somebody will give me a tea and I drink it and I would know it doesn't taste right and or it doesn't feel right. or they give me they give me the tea to smell then I know where they where they're from, where they grow is it whether it's from the inside of the mountain or the young side of the mountain and you know you, you can sort of have an idea or a picture all of these things were just taught by the tea itself by by you experiencing it but i guess the important thing is you've got to make a start right we all got to make a start and i think now going back to the living tea that we we've been on together and, and i think now a lot of the reflection I have is is really to to help and nurture environment for people to explore it themselves and then not to really impose any of my opinions or others' opinions, but for them to experience it and, and form up the answers that, that are meaningful and unique to them. And that's how I was facilitated. So I, I feel like that's such an important teaching from my teachers and, and I yeah it's it's I'm actually really really grateful for that way of learning You almost feel like you get deconstructed and then putting put together again
1: well yeah have you heard this have you heard this story because that's how I learned too before I, I started with talking about me brewing tea but before doing that I sat with my teacher for months just drinking tea you know mm. and I mm. think part of that is you're not if you want to learn something you, you, if you lead with the mind, i.e. you want to know how, you want to ask questions, it reminds me of that that story about the scholar who visits a tea master and the tea master is, the scholar wants to know some, or no, it wasn't a tea master, it was some wise person and he wants to know the answer to some question and the tea master is pouring his cup and it overflows and the scholar says, oh, stop, my cup's full. And he says, this is like your mind, you cannot learn anything if there's no space. For something to come, something new to come, so it reminds me of that where if you really want to learn something, you know informational things like business related things may be one thing, but even so, I would argue you know there there's a lot of similarities in terms of how to approach business and and other very logical subjects i mean there's there's life in everything if if you're willing to look. And I'd be interested to hear what your opinion on is on that, you know, because at some point you began thinking about starting a company, a tea company. you know so when did that happen for you and And given how your personality had developed and who you had become, how did you approach that type of endeavor?
0: Mm. i think I think the beginning was just this really strong internal drive to want to share it. And and then I think it was the motivation and the, I don't know whether passion is the right word for it. Really, I I, I don't know about the word um, for passion. But I think it almost feels like an urge that I have to do it.
1: Right. I have
0: <clears> to to share it, and that's that's how you that's how I got started. But the, you and then you figure out the the how question. Um, and then you you internalize the why question because that's that's how it is dri- it's, it's driven. You to do these things, but then you have to externalize it. So externalizing by let's say writing a copy for it, you know, become it's sort of it's like you've I've done the literature review now I have to write the review now I have to narrow it down find the gap. So, um, so that's how it got started. So when I was on the trip, I saw my home was really on the, on the road of, of getting out of poverty level by mass producing tea in a the, in the very big scale. So agriculture and tourism is a big um, strategy for elevating people from southwest of China out of poverty out of the economic situation they're in. So I saw a lot of that happening. But so at the same time, I saw a lot of traditions and cultures being dimmed, I think. The light was dimming for them. And and because I, I think the unique position for me is because I've been around places. So when I go back and see those things, they're very precious to me. But for somebody who's been there for generations or just in one spot and they had a really hard life for so many generations, they see it very differently. They wanted to do things in a different way. So I sort of see the gap there and I just wanted to, so I feel like the wild ind- indigenous and ancient trees and their culture are very very special to me and I wanted to share that so that's how I that's how it got narrowed down to grass people tree and what grass people tree is set out to do I sort of had a rough idea but within the notebooks that I had it was so hard in the beginning it wasn't like we're looking for marketing stories to tell my my challenge has always been there are too many stories Which one do I tell and how do I tell it in the way that for people who never experienced it to understand it in a certain level. So even just the initial website copywriting, it took me nine months to do the initial, just present that website more or less. And nobody can do it for me because it was my journey. It has been my journey all along, so I had to do it. So I think the first year of 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 the business was a lot of trying to figure out, and then in the middle of it, you realize I got to stop figuring it out now. I, I just got to do it. So so yeah, that was that was when the when I learned as a I guess entrepreneur is the word or a business owner or, or somebody just on this leading the initial project, you, you have to learn a way just to to do things on the get-go. And it's never gonna be perfect, but you have to make a start. And, and I think is like you said in the beginning about the tea journey, it's the same teaching. It's is once you have, you build the trust with yourself, so next time when you go through it, you know you're more informed with the process and you know you're going to freak out and you know you're yeah. going to go to a dark place and you know all the procedure, but you know you're always going to come out. So the more you do it, the better you're at it, the, the the more comfortable you're with it. And then I think by the point now, I think it's it's the fifth year now, maybe. Yeah, the fifth year of Grass people Tree. Then you started to have Sangha who can help you, you know those very special people who are your think tank, your supporters, your your teachers, your brave
1: but ultimately, those people only came because you put the green tea in the water. yeah, <laughs> you have to, you have to start the brew first before people will show up and be enthusiastic.
0: Yeah, I think it, it can. One day, if I don't do tea, I will still share something. There's always something for me to share. I don't think I can ever stop that. Right. It's just, just, it's just me, and and I think that somehow my then my intention aligns with that. Is for me to share yeah. part of me, whatever that is. So then all the actions start to fall into places, the plans, the so-called strategies or the languages, how you use to communicate everything fall into places and then it becomes easier. But of course that, that has taken a few years for me to realize, you, you know, I think the one of the most important learning for me is, is the word trust, you know, mm. trust myself, and, and I think for anything that you set out to do, you've you got to have that level of trust in you for you to even to go and lose yourself and to trust yourself. You, you're going to come back at it and you know, and yeah. keep on going. I think that trust is very important, particularly I, I think for, for women, immigrant and foreigner, that started accompanying a very different environment on the subject that people have a very specific idea of. I think there's a lot of trust you have to give to yourself in order for you to to be at ease um when it comes to sharing. Mm.
1: There's a lot of amazing lessons in there. Yeah, trust is a big one. And I, I mean a a lot of the um the things that you're referencing are all have been part of my journey too. And I think one thing that, um, you know, you talk about even your recent journey to South Africa, you you just felt like you needed a reset and you know, that how, you know, one day if tea is not the thing, then it's not going to be the thing, but there's a more fundamental aspect of your being that's being expressed in different ways. And, you know, for, for almost 10 years, it was in the fashion industry and ultimately in kind of like a, Entertainment sense. If it was a movie, if your life was a movie, that would be the part of a life that you know we would maybe say, "Oh, these were negative things happening," and the you know this was the challenge period and the dark period, et cetera, et cetera. But you can also see from the point of the the hindsight that, like you also talked about, if you didn't have that experience of disconnecting from what was innate in your life and your culture, from not having that, when it came back around, you wouldn't. There wouldn't be the same value placed on it and it wouldn't have spoken to you in the same way so you know these these periods of challenge and you know through that period and then through whatever challenges you i'm sure you went through when you were actually starting grass people tree same with me and member mouse all sorts of mistakes being made trying to find the way doing this thing where you don't know what you're doing pushing through having that internal uh, vision or why that you're shooting for it's all important And then the danger comes when we create something, when we birth something, then again, just the same with our relationship to our thoughts. We then think, oh, this is me. This is my identity. You know, this is a thing down the line is like, it's always important to, because trust is important. And, but if we stop listening, if we stop checking in with beyond our own ideas, and our own figuring out of how things should work that we might miss something inside of us telling hey you've been doing this for 10 years but there's something else calling and it can be scary to have worked in something for so long created something been a part of something and then re- you know reinvent yourself even though the thing that's telling the thing that's guiding you to want to reinvent yourself is the same thing that guided you to start those other projects and be Mm -hmm. successful in those other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's, you, you get to a point where, or I've gotten to a point where I'm like, well, the things that have been accomplished in life are not necessarily my doing. You know, it's like, they're my actions, you know, that's, but the, but the, the energy and the guidance and the, um, passion, desire, whatever you want to call it, that fuels those things. Where does that come from? You know, and that's that's an interesting question, and it's one of mm. those questions that can't be answered by anything external.
0: Mm. Mm. And it's a very profound question, also, because it depends on what we believe. Right? What I believe is is everything is is the causes and conditions. And the causes and conditions can be broken down into almost infinitive. You know, it goes way back, way back. Why we do what we do. There's something obviously personally internal for us in this physical body. But I think there's this to me, uh, I think it it goes far beyond that. And, And I think that... And I will never find out why. This is why I felt like to say it's my passion. It's almost it's a very superficial way of of, of understanding or, or concluding it. It's not it's so much more than that. Um and and you know, why am I on this journey doing it, I don't think I don't think also it's my place to to get myself into that spiral of thinking why people will ask me why and 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 you you have to give an answer give an answer that sort of satisfy people but for me I think I think why question is sometimes is quite it's quite tricky because it gets you distracted again
1: and it's also arrogant if you think you can answer it
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, just I I guess is going with it. But going with it, it, it sounds so easy, but it's very hard to to. Like you said, you know, if 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 we're out of tune with with, with what we do, then you can't go with it. Like a business. When I felt like my my experience in recent years or so, I felt like we we're, we're in such a good flow. You're in a constant flow and and I feel we're, the way we deal with things are very agile and very flexible and and just very easy. So I think that's that's a good state to be in. So when things are out of that, then you, you're more in tune with, with that. But then the paradox with that is you mustn't feel too comfortable with that either. I think there's a danger to be... For comfort, I think that's one of the things that it's 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 a threat almost. Comfort is a threat because when when we feel comfortable, we become lazy and then we stop we stop um, wondering, we stop being curious and we we stay in one flock of birds. we don't want to go and visit other birds. And and I think that's that's when things get static and and we stop learning, yeah. Comfort is a it's a funny thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost like, um, in a way, it's almost synonymous for stagnancy. I mean, we we relate it to a positive connotation, where right? We say, oh, comfort is a good thing, um, and stagnancy yeah. is a bad thing. But both of them, there's no flow happening. There's mm. a there's kind of a stasis and yeah and ultimately change is going to happen so mm. you know if if something's not moving then it just means that either we can't perceive what's actually moving which is p- possible and then it'll show up at some point cuz you know even for a plant you know you, you plant the seed in the ground the roots start to grow and you don't see anything on the surface for a while so patience you know it it is it is a very tricky business cuz sometimes you may think oh nothing's happening, I need to do something. But maybe that's the time where it's, you know, patience and trust is something to move into. You know, and it's so hard, I would say, for people wanting to start things and trying to find their way to find themselves because there are so many things telling you how to do it and telling you the way that you should do it. And in a state of, you know, I think showing up as a student is a state of vulnerability, right? And you naturally, as a student, you need to put your trust in the teacher. And so if there's a, a huge possibility of being taken advantage of as a true student. And so I think a lot of that is happening, you know, where people want to learn something, but then all that's happening is they're just, they're not being taught like you were taught by your teacher and like just experience 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 don't ask me questions don't try and figure it out just experience because the experience ultimately what it's through experience what the the teaching there is that ultimately no human being is the teacher the teaching is inherent we have access everybody has access to the teachings if you don't think about it too much and the benefit of a quote-unquote in-person teacher or an in person or in a physical teacher like t is it allows us to to expose ourselves to something beyond uh, our minds which then leaves an imprint it leaves a deeper imprint within us that then like a seed will flower into something more physical more something that will end up taking action in the real world but i don't i don't see that um, in anybody teaching out there it's always immediately about execution doing there's no none of that time where you just be an apprentice you know
0: Mm, I guess it's about the intention to to teach and the intention to be taught right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: if we're talking about tea a lot of people go into training to get a certificate so they can go and brew tea properly in in the restaurant right that makes sense in the, in the level but if we're looking at the the profound way of of learning i guess that almost like the first step right and ultimately there's no teaching per se and there's no learning you it's a it's just a journey and and, and i think the the teacher whether it's the tea or, or, or a person we should always know that it's it, it's a vessel for us to get to somewhere. And wherever wherever it takes you is is it's dictated by your intention and the actions and then the causes and conditions by those things. But it's it's never a destination. So I think even just from the, the clarification of why we learn a very specific subject i think there's there's a lack of understanding i think further investigation i i, I guess or or maybe maybe lack of nurturing i don't know i don't know i, I think it's interesting you you mentioned this because i was just writing a question list for people who want to go into learning and want to go into teaching Mm -hmm. because I I see a lot of things out there that you you can categorize it as culturally appropriated or you can categorize it as racist or whatever that is. I I think there's a lot of question marks out there, but I I think when it comes to teaching, we can also bring in a diversity of of that, Mm -hmm. how, how things can be learned in a different way. And even a lot of teaching, learning from me, when I learned it, it wasn't even verbal. You know, it's, it's so intuitive and so physical in a sense, like kinesthetic. So, so I think we, we're not so much used to learn that way and mm-hmm. the way, the way to learn in this specific way is also slowly dying. Because it almost felt like it doesn't fit in anymore. It takes too long. And you feel like you're not getting anything. You know, it, it doesn't quite fit into the, the capitalist world, or maybe the, the well, modern world.
1: I'm an optimist. I mean, <laughs> I certainly see it's declined. But I also see that it can't die. You know, it'll come back around. I mean, it is. I mean, you're, you're a vessel for that spirit. Um, you're carrying on those traditions, and so it's because there's a there's there's something there that is fundamental. If everything falls apart and everything disappears, what will remain? I'm, there's no answer to that question that we can provide, but certainly we know what it's not going to be a lot more easily than we know what it is going to be. And what it what it's not going to be is m- most of the things we spend all of our energy interacting with and nurturing you know, all the physicality and, you know, everything like that. But there is, yeah, so, I hear you. I mean, it is, there is a decline and, um, also, I think, an awakening at the same time, you know, I think mm-hmm. that there's, at least, I, I, I can't say for anybody else, but at least I feel it.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also feel like, you know, it. if we're looking at the, the grand spectrum of time, how things are going, where things are going, whether or not this thing is dying or not—you know—it's—it's it's not. It really isn't about me personally. It—it—it it, it is, is, and it's so vast beyond my comprehension and my ability to. So, so to even say, I'm doing this because I don't want to see the tradition die. Yes, there's. There's. I'll be lying if I say it's not because I'm still a human, and there's something very special to me as as, as somebody who grew up from there, right? And and but I think that's also one of those things that you, you just can't. You have to. You have to put yourself aside and just focus on the work that you do. You call it a work or, or whatever that is. Your 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 calling or I don't know. Just Whatever you you're sharing, I think it, part of it we we have to go beyond that self, and to constantly planting the seeds, because for whatever reason there is you you're doing it with this intention, and I guess the optimistic side of it is is you keep planting the seeds, then then you know who knows something's gonna come up and grow in their own way. I guess that's that's something that that gives me that sense of like I just gotta keep on doing it and be focused on that. Um, but but I think it's it's um it's it's not my place to to even say okay, the, the way of teaching is dying, so we gotta, we gotta do it fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and even optimism is just another word for trust. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess so. Not blind trust, though. Blind trust, yeah. It, it has to be um, trust and distrust has to always like go hand in well, hand. Well, yeah, I yeah guess. it
1: depends on which level you're talking about. You know, mm. like the level of like when I'm talking about trust, I'm, it, It's more of like an internal. But in but in order to do, in order to even practice that and even there has to be some way that is being done to connect with that part because even the internal parts when you first go into it a lot of those have been conditioned by external things so they can't be trusted <laughs> but you know that's part of the journey is is to start walking that path and and see what happens
0: they're just so much like i guess you're talking about the the inner in the ecosystem and the resources you know, the, the trust we have. And I think that there's actually a lot of knowing that we have and we haven't been able to tap into and know how to figure out the map and to, to utilize it. But once something opened up for you, you, you just jump into that, take that right. opportunity and go in there. I guess that's what you meant earlier by the path, right? I think mm-hmm. the path to... Inward and to be curious, and to even to say, "This tea is not for me." It's eight thousand dollars for twenty grams, but no, it's just not me. And that's the trust, you know.
1: But even you know, I can say the same thing that you said, and I know this. Like, even everything that I'm saying, there I have no right to say it. At the same time, I'm saying it, so it's like. There becomes this, uh, in a true state of trustingness, is like everything that is, just is. We have no reason why we're having this conversation. We're having it, you know, and we enjoy it. And yet, it's just what we're doing because this is what's happening today. And we accept that. And that's it.
0: Yeah, part of the path, I think.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. But Yeah, so... As always though, it's uh it's been really nice uh, catching up with you.
0: Likewise, Eric. It's uh, I I like I so enjoy this, this sort of conversation. It particularly I feel like it's so needed for me for a few weeks when I'm 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 ra- roaming around and it really helps me to to feel like I'm I'm exploring but in a different way. So yeah, it's been Fun. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I feel yeah. the same way. So thank you so much. And um, mm. uh, if people want to learn more about what you're doing and um, get in touch with you, where can they go?
0: They can go to grasspeopletree.com or they can they can find us on Instagram at grasspeopletree or just Google us grasspeopletree and yeah, you, you should. Nowadays, you should be able to find anybody anywhere, I
1: think. That's true. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Ray, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Ray. I hope you're walking away feeling inspired about continuing on your own journey as an entrepreneur. Many thanks to Ray for coming on the show and sharing so freely from her life and experience. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts and authors, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play or Stitcher. We have a growing library of engaging episodes with many more to come. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next time.